Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home? Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing thegrandgroup at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, David and Dan discuss the disappointing end to the season for the 2020 Twins. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Kufis. With me, as always, is Dan Thompson. The Twins get swept by the Houston Astros. Two games and the season's over. The 2020 Twins season has completed. The streak continues, Dan. I don't know what to tell you. At at some point, it's comical, right? But I think comical was like the eighth loss in a row. The 18th loss in a row, Dan. I'm having trouble focusing over here i mean has a team even lost that many games in a regular season consecutively like that is <laughs> that is a baffling streak of ineptitude for competitive teams right i mean the twins were favored coming into this series they have i still contend they're the better team i don't know what happens when they get into the playoffs it's something weird and it goes back to what we were talking about before how baldelli was like oh well it doesn't really impact our guys because none of these guys were here for it well then there's something happening is there something in the clubhouse is it haunted what's the problem here, that's what's Dan? so weird because he's right and those guys weren't around for it but is the, is there just this feeling that like i mean you got to think that the players are aware of the streak regardless right and that they they well, want they right, not, and they, they want to end ESPN it right? at all. so like I, yes. I think they do i think i think there's something about it that really is palpable in that sense where they know that it's happening and they're pressing just that little bit and it's just it's impacting the way they, i mean they had seven hits in two games david seven hits in two games their batting average dan was under 130 it's just un, under yeah. 130 how is that even possible you know and and i think what's hard too is because that that obviously accounts the one game playoff loss to the yankees a few years ago right and then you have a short series here and it's just maybe it's just partially a product of playing these short series you, you know it's it's really high no you can't no <laughs> you i don't, don't think, think it's even put, that we cannot put the blame on the short series because yeah, yeah. eventually odds would say you should win and we just can't seem to do that Dan so I'm not going to put it at the feet of the short series even that may have some impact but not dating back 18 games well that's Dan. a good point 16 years David since 2004 uh, incredible I, incredible I had a buddy text me last night and was like do you realize it's been half our lifetime since we've seen a twins victory in the postseason that's like the saddest thing I've thought about in quite a while and Dan. you pair it with all the other Minnesota sports woes and it's like ugh why did we why were we born in minnesota david why do we do this to ourselves i i have no i have no idea and the thing that's most frustrating as you just mentioned like i think we were the better team and we had absolutely everything going for us dan we were the better team during the regular season we got home field advantage where we barely lost all season long we had i would say better starters i mean the granky maeda matchup i still think maeda is the better pitcher out of those two this season at least everything everything dan was in our favor and we still couldn't get it done we needed to win two games and we couldn't even win one dan to extend the dang series i know and and then you get well we have a long list here i mean we have the umpiring being really awful the first base even i mean i realized they got challenged but my goodness it was and then the balls and the strikes i, I feel like we're also inconsistent in both ways right All even in that place. ninth inning All ryan presley had some pitches that i thought were pretty clearly strikes not getting called yes um so it was just it was just uneven unsettling and just 
unbearable to watch, David. Yeah, it was it was not enjoyable. And to be honest, when it got three one, it was like, well, okay, what are you gonna do? But I think we do we do need to talk about a couple of things here as far as the I mean the big moment I guess that we'll talk about I want to foreshadow a little bit, but the umpiring it wasn't just balls and strikes and the calls at first, but tossing Eddie Rosario, Dan, this is unconscionable. This is absolutely ridiculous. In the postseason and you're throwing a player out, what on earth are you doing? Yeah, especially because who was it was it who was it earlier? Springer, who was arguing too, and and he didn't get tossed, and we don't know what was said. That was just off-putting, especially because then Cave came in and and had a strikeout in a key spot later. And because Eddie was, I realized he wasn't awesome in the series, but he was playing pretty well. He was playing consistently, um, and it just felt like he, you don't want to take the bat out of one of arguably your most trusted hitters this season. We, you know, I know that we have quibbles about the way that he has played defense and run the bases, but we couldn't doubt the way he was hitting the ball this year. No, not at all. And I do think that I even made a comment when I was watching this with a buddy that as much as I rag on Eddie Rosario in this series specifically he had some wonderful at bat and there was never one time Dan not one swing I don't know that he swung on a ball that was out of the zone I don't think he did and anytime that he's that patient and he will be rewarded and if he can carry that forward to next season he deserves that spot in left field I think what was tricky to me and, and the commentators kind of hit on this too but it felt like they were missing pitches in the zone that they should have crushed and it wasn't even yes. like I, I didn't feel like they were taking bad at bats I thought they were good at bats. They were patient with the exception of like, remember Buxton had a game one at bat where he swung at three pitches at his foot right in a row. But honestly, like I could not point to bad at bats. It was just swings and misses or swings and fouling straight back when you would normally think if two of those times they connect, they win the ballgame today. Yes, absolutely. That just seemed to be the common thread is that the offense could not get going and they continually missed pitches, which is not really the MO of this team specifically in 2019. In 2020, though, Dan, we can't say that it's totally uncommon that the Twins offense sputters to a, to a stop. No, and that's true. And and that's where I felt, you know, in some sense, they I thought they were pressing a little bit today. And I thought maybe on the season, in some sense, they were because they should hit some of those pitches. And they and the way that they were reacting, it was like, oh, we should have had that pitch. And I it was just that that was the maybe the hardest part was the guys who were hitting the ball the best was what Rosario and then even Kirilov today smacked the baseball a couple times. I don't know. I'm, this thought is falling apart. I just I just felt like there were opportunities in this game. We can't blame the pitching staff really um, because the bats should have taken care of business. Yeah, I agree. This is not at the foot of the of the pitchers by any stretch of the imagination. As much as I'd love to point to Rogers outing is not great, which it wasn't. But that's a whole nother thing. We're going to get to that in Rocco's Rewind. Dan, I have about 80 questions for Rocco in the decisions that he made in this game. And so we'll get to that in a little bit here. Though do think the one thing I want to point out here that's not going to come up in our segments, I don't think, is I am not upset about the Stashak Homer that he gave up to Correa. Because here's the thing, off speed pitch really on the outside edge of the plate. I mean Correa just got a hold of it. I don't know. That was not a bad pitch by any stretch of the imagination. And he yeah, I guess I'm just what I'm trying to say is I wasn't as upset at that home run. Like, oh man, I can't believe he gave that homer up because it wasn't like a it wasn't a cookie down. And the what middle. was interesting was early in the game, didn't you get the sense that outfielders were just kind of drifting that way most of the game, right? There were some early fly balls that I thought, there's probably going to be a home run hit to the right field. There's going to be a, a home run hit to those flowers in right field, and it's not going to seem it. And that's that's what Correa's was. I mean, it just felt like it was, you, totally to your point, not a bad pitch, just a great player putting a, a great swing on a ball. Yeah, so, so some other things that'll probably come up in the segments here, but Jake Cave, man, what is what is going on here? Between him and Dobnek, it's like, 
those are the two everyman people who just are basically they're thrown in the garbage whenever they need to be i guess dan yeah and that yeah i mean it was hard because jake cave gosh he had a really good at bat he just swung at ball four and then and i don't know why buxton wasn't running we should i think we'll get to that to the segments don't you think a lot of that yeah uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff that'll need to come up here in the segments but let's uh let's go ahead and jump in let's let's give a little bit of specifics about the game just in case you were working and you didn't get a chance to catch it uh the twins lose this one three to one barrios pitches five he was i mean he probably could have stayed in the game frankly he was at 75 pitches stashat comes in gives up a home run uh barrios had given up one run struck out four walked two and then may came in pitched well rogers came in gave up a run shocking and then duffy came in to close out on the other side of the ball the astros it (laughs) i don't know i don't quite understand they just seem to have guys in the bullpen who they knew to use for length that we didn't really understand that that was a possibility i guess rocco was a little bit confused that you could use long guys out of the bullpen i don't know and it was because again as we said earlier i don't think that the pitching really cost them in this in this series if we can call it that i guess a two-game series obviously roger's not pitching well but yes i thought why not just get odorizzi out there after barrios um and just let him pitch and as long as you can get him unless you know he was saving him for tomorrow and the i don't know it was just it was an odd management an odd management of the bullpen yes uh all day it was odd choices from the lineup to the roster to who came in when but anyway let's start off here with puckett's pick I had Cruz, you had Sano, and really, Cruz was the only one who did anything today. And so I come away with the victory two points to zero points. It doesn't matter, Dan. The season's over. You won the regular season. We tied in the postseason. Technically, I think we both finished with zero points when it's all said and done which is impressive like if you add the two weeks together but anyway so i i am happy to go out on a win but i would have much rather taken the loss and seen the twins come away with the victory yeah i mean there was just i guess you picked the best guy but there was nobody else to pick i don't i think he was the only one who would have won right so congratulations there yeah thank you i mean it was really fun to see him get interviewed too oh yes well he had that was a long interview did you notice how long that thing went on i i think they weren't expecting the inning to go as long as it did because burrito had been pitching so well. Uh, all right. Well, Beast versus Bench, speaking of, because I can't talk about yes. those that's the silly segments anymore. Well, actually, I'm going to back up and talk about it. So the segment with Rocco talking to, <laughs> about Buxton was fascinating because Rocco was saying so much and saying nothing about Buxton's status. Yes. And I am really curious if we hear what exactly was wrong with him. Like, I, I, I don't think this is true, but it, the way he was talking about it was almost like Buxton had a hangover and couldn't play. Like, what was going on? <laughs> like, like, did he just not want to talk about concussion? protocol because if they put him out there and it turned out he had had a concussion and then they'd get in trouble like ding 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 do you think, think that's, that's what it, it was it was I, I'm it wasn't that Buxton it was out having beers at midnight no, or something it wasn't, like that before it, was, it wasn't a Michael Jordan hangover type <laughs> okay, flu game right, situation right. no, this was, I think 100% accurate you hit the nail on the head it was an issue with concussion protocol and they don't want to get in trouble for putting him out on the diamond when really maybe he wasn't 100% damn. well it seems like he wasn't based on how he ran himself into a how does he get picked off there david i i don't know it was silly i and what to be honest he shouldn't have even had the opportunity to get picked off why on earth are you pinch running for cruz with buxton and then on a 3-2 pitch you're not sending him yeah what's the point it seemed pretty pointless it's silly let's get to that let's go with beast versus bench and then we'll continue yeah so who's your beast here? it's got to be barrios i mean he he came out fiery he was awesome the first three innings and i thought gosh if he can give him three innings and the twins could just build a lead at all i think they had this game 
game and they and they couldn't again they couldn't cash in early but Brios looked awesome for even overall the five innings were pretty dang good but those first three especially he was fantastic yeah I agree I mean you could go with Cruz he would be really your only option on the offensive side of the ball but I'm going to go with Barrios as well and there was sort of this it was a touching moment but also one that you could tell stung a little bit when Racco is talking to Barrios and telling him that hey you're not going to go out there and Barrios wanted to go out and you know he did and you could see the way that Racco had his arm on Barrios it was almost like hey you gotta settle down I feel terrible about this but no you're not going to be able to go back in and I don't know man they really seem to be seeing the ball out of Barrios's hand here come uh, come that sixth inning or that fifth inning so I don't know that I can blame Racco for making that decision I can blame Racco for a lot of other decisions but this is one where I don't necessarily question that he did the right thing your no and, and that's interesting you point that out because I think it was Corey Provis I think at that moment I was I had switched to radio and um and they pointed out that Barrios gets hit really hard that third time through the lineup and for next year I think that's got to be his primary goal is finding a way to go deeper into games maybe it's a, a pitch that he saves for that third time around but I think that's the next step that he needs to take and again I think Provost mentioned that too I mean like that's what they need him to do to become a true ace yes I agree he needs to figure out how to break through that third time through the lineup and whether that's staying away from the inside fastball or maybe a little bit more use of the curveball but you could see that fastball they started to sit on that fastball and so he has to get away from that pitch even as effective as it is when he's throwing 94 95 miles an hour what about your bench today yeah i think it's i don't know uh rogers the entire offense rosario for getting tossed even though i don't really blame him for getting tossed i think i think right now i'm gonna go with with rogers just because it was so disappointing that he came in and again he doesn't pitch well back to back it's like the one thing that everybody seems to know except for rocco that that taylor rogers should not go into a game in which he had already pitched the day before it's ridiculous. And, yeah, and I agree with that there because you figure, okay, bring in Matt Whistler, bring in Clippard, and then you figure you're just going to have to use Odorizzi then in game three at some point. And he didn't, or even Dobnak. I mean, like you have arms. You don't have to go to Rogers there. It makes very little sense to we the way that he managed this game. But let's go ahead. I want to talk about your bench and then we can move on to Racco's rewind and dive. I, I just want to put them all on the bench. Um, I <laughs> Because the, I, I think for my bench, it's really hard to pick because it's going to be everybody who missed a pitch that he should have crushed. I guess I'm just going to leave it at that. It was just so disheartening to see them not able to rise to the occasion and just hit one ball hard by anybody who wasn't Nelson Cruz or Alex Kirilov. Yeah, Dan, I don't know how to do this to you, but you have to oh, pick someone. I have to pick somebody? You have to because we can't have this precedent set for next all right, season. All right, that's fair, that's fair. I'm going to pick Sano um, because I'm frustrated that he stopped hitting big hits about a week ago and he, <laughs> and he kept doing it turning today. Point. So that's what I'm going to say. Sano. Ugh. Fair enough. Well, thank you for doing that. Let's go forward. Rocco's Rocco's rewind, Dan. I don't even know where to begin. I have I have so many questions, but I'll let you start here just so I can collect my. Yeah, I'm gonna go back to Buxton, and I'm gonna say just send him or don't put him in in the in that was it eighth inning? Is that when that happened? Um, Yes. Just send him. And the other part was to okay to your point about the concussion. I'm buying now more and more that that makes sense because why put him in for your DH in that situation? Or it was just weird. It was just a weird way to manage it. I know that the announcers were saying, well, he could score on a on a double or something like that from first base but then he should just be standing right next to the base and he shouldn't be trying i don't know it was weird i don't appreciate i don't think that was a wise play i think if you if you're if you're concerned about buxton not being able to to play at his peak then put cave in there at that time put somebody else in there put adrianza out there at least in that situation well do something and it makes zero sense to me that you would have him do that when you're already thin in the outfield and like you have to be thinking okay well what happens if this game goes to extras like the only moves you can really make are at 
catcher. And I don't know, it just makes zero sense to me to bring Buxton in when your outfield is already short-staffed. And I'd want to keep Cruz just in case, man. Because how disappointing if this game goes to extras and Cruz's spot comes up and it's someone else. Yeah, no, totally. I was wondering that too. I just think, and I know, you know, if Buxton ends up scoring the tying run there, oh, it looks like a great move, but it didn't seem like a great move at the time. No, I agree. So yes, a couple of questions here that I have for Racco. So first off, again, I already sort of mentioned it, but Jake Cave not getting the start and Alex Kurilov getting the start. What's going on there, Dan? And if you're Jake Cave, how are you not absolutely furious? Is that an actual question for me? Yeah. Well, what what's the deal here? I mean, they bat from the same side of the plate. That kid hasn't played in a single game. What are you doing? I don't know. I didn't mind it because I've been asking for Kirilov for a long time now, and he looked good. So and in your ideal circumstance, he comes in in the postseason in a game he's never played in the majors, and that's his well, first game. Okay, but, but here's why. It's for the very reason we've been talking about, and about how these, these twins hitters seem to be rickety at the plates, or they're not able to, to really get a clean swing on. And Alex Kirilov's like, I don't know, he's got a lot of nerves to deal with that have nothing to do with an 18-game losing streak in the franchise, right? Like, that's why I was just really impressed with the way that he, I mean, he hit the ball, he crushed that ball down the line for that single, and he made a nice play in the outfield. Like, I, I kind of want him, let's put him in the starting lineup right now. Well, that's fine. I don't mind what you're thinking as far as for the future i absolutely hate him playing in this game though. but why he did but he ridiculous. played well I, no regardless of how he played he could have gone four for four and i still would have thought it was the wrong call what but that doesn't make sense because then they would have won well, the no, game i no, obviously before the game if you told me that i could have cave go oh for five or i could have Kirilov go four for five i of course take would, would take Kirilov. but my what i'm trying to say is that it was not the right call even though it worked out well this time well i don't know i guess we're going to disagree on this one i think because you could have use cave differently late in the game right he could have been the pinch runner for example in that situation i hate this i hate this you make this argument every freaking time when when buxton starts on the bench or when a player is on the bench who stood be in who should be in the starting lineup you tell me well they could be valuable off the bench dan if they're that valuable of a player i want them as in in as much as possible taking as many at bats as possible i don't want this well it's really good to have buxton on the bench so he can come in as a pinch runner that is ridiculous dan thompson if you think he's a good player he should be on the field as much as possible and this is like dan this is like the fifth time you've done that this season so don't give me like oh i don't say it that often every single time that Rocco puts together a lineup that doesn't make any sense you're like well at least they'll have some good bench options dear goodness dan no i'm not wrong though i think he had great bench options <laughs> yes, 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 but, <laughs> but who i mean like goodness. the fact is nobody hit well anyway even even buxton didn't look good come i mean buxton couldn't have started this game it's pretty clear so i don't know what else i would have done right like he Ugh. he is a if, he, if he's not capable of getting himself on base then in this game he was more useful coming off the bench and pinch running and then playing outfield it didn't work out totally that way but that's it was more useful that way i think he would have i just don't think he was useful in the lineup today okay extenuating circumstances aside you're wrong but anyway like in the situation that it just arisen well no game, like if buxton was perfectly healthy i would have said well yeah he should start but he obviously wasn't okay we have to move on uh well no we, don't, we just have to move on from this particular question <laughs> i'm gonna keep talking but... <laughs> about buxton in the minnesota moment so you go ahead oh my goodness so i guess my other question here has to do with the catchers and specifically Garver. So we talked about this in game one. It made very little sense. Garver pinch hit for Jeffers and then Avila 
came in to catch the remainder of the game, which made very little sense to me to begin with. But then on top of that, Dan, we didn't see Garver in this game. And so the question has to become, what will Garver look like next season? And what does the catching situation look like next season? I am just, I'm all sorts of confused what this team is going to do. And is it was it just an injury setback with Garver or is he truly not going to be our A1 starter like we thought he was going to be after last season? Yeah, that was really bizarre. It, this run here has almost a feel of like a playoff hockey team, you know, after a long season where, oh gosh, it turns out Jared Spurgeon was playing with a broken wrist and Zach Parisi's left leg was falling off or whatever body part. I mean, it just, it, it felt like maybe that is the explanation. Maybe Garver wasn't healthy. Bex, Buxton wasn't. Maybe, you know, who else are we talking about? Maybe Matt Whistler wasn't right. Maybe Tyler Clippard, whoever. So I'm curious who was hurt, right? And who was just ineffective, but I kind of feel like Rocco kind of overthought this situation. I think he should have trotted Garver out there today because he's a veteran relative and he, he had a great season and he's still capable of putting a good swing on the ball. Well, and at least that would have made yesterday make a little bit more yes. sense for why he didn't continue to catch the game. But because he didn't start in this game, I was all sorts of confused what was supposed to happen. Here. Yeah, really weird. Can I move to my Minnesota moment? Yep, you go ahead. I'm going to say when Buxton got hit in the head last Friday because <laughs> because I think and, and even Donaldson pulling up lame in that game too because you just got to think especially Donaldson a veteran who's played a lot of playoff games you got to think he would have gotten one of those big hits today in the way that Nelson Cruz did right like Nelson Cruz looked pretty good and you got to wonder what would Donaldson have done even Marwin Gonzalez had some pretty good swings on some balls there he had some hits he got on base um it was a lot of the young guys just not playing well right it was a lot of the guys who again still haven't been able to win a playoff game with this team they struggled and so I just wonder because Buxton is so dynamic I think they missed him clearly. But Donaldson, too. I just think those injuries on Friday was that death knell for this baseball team in the playoffs. Yeah, it was not good. And it's so frustrating to see a team come into the postseason. They were finally kind of on a high. And I do think this goes back a little bit to the Red Series. It would have been nice to see them come away with a victory in that series to kind of have a little bit of positive momentum going into the postseason. And especially everybody just seemed kind of down, specifically because Buxton and Donaldson obviously weren't 100%, even if Buxton did get to play in that first game of the series. Series, he didn't he didn't really perform in the way that we would hope that Buxton would perform when he's 100%. No, and they did win one game in that red series. I don't know if you forgot that. They did get one. No, win. I know. I know. I said, but uh, I said like a series victory. Oh, okay. All right. Here. No. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah. What about what um, are your Minnesota moments here? I don't know. I got a few of them, but I think it's got to be Rosario getting ejected. I think it's just absolutely insane in the postseason, Dan. I know that I already said this once, but I can't get over the fact that in a postseason game, I mean, really, unless the player touches you physically or unless they are really like up in your face, literally screaming. There is no excuse. You cannot eject players. It's ridiculous, especially when you have a Twins lineup that is hurting in the outfield as it is. So I just, I can't believe that happened. It's a very Minnesota thing that happened. And as we mentioned, why aren't the cheating Astros on a little bit shorter leash as far as the ejections are concerned? Springer can yell at you, literally turn and yell, do the exact same thing that Rosario did, but do it in two different plate appearances and then continue from the dugout and he gets to stay in the game? What is going on here, dude? Yeah, that didn't make a lot of sense. It was maybe one of those straw that broke the camel back kind of things. Uh, but the umpire's got to have thicker skin than that. Like you said, if he's not touched, I don't know. D- did he insult him deeply? I just, I have a hard time seeing how that has a place right now in a playoff game. Yeah, it absolutely does not. Anyway, let's keep moving here before I die of anger. Uh, Mauer's music. Hang in there, fan. hang in there. For well, and again, I think, and I see, I think both of us are somewhat of a future looking because where else can we look at this point? Um, <laughs> but I wonder, will Kirilov be that missing piece for this team? If, if it even needs a missing piece, I 
I, I don't, I don't, I think this team was constructed well enough to win uh, at least a couple of playoff series this year. But I do wonder, like, what, what are they going to look like with him in the lineup next year? Because I think it's pretty clear he's going to be. Does that mean Cruz isn't back? Does that mean Jake Cave, the the ever young Jake Cave, isn't back? Like, how does he fit? How does he fit into this team next year? Um, because I'm excited about what he can do uh, with his bat. Yeah, it will be interesting to see what the Twins decide to do with their entirety of their outfield. Everybody comes back, Dan. So the question is, are they going to start to think, well, maybe we should try and deal some of these pieces, or maybe we should try and think about what it looks like for the future with these guys coming up? I don't really know what to tell you. Obviously, the spot that's probably most most vulnerable is Eddie Rosario, but with how he's played this season thus far, especially if he continues that next season, that's not a guy, Dan, that you can't have on the field. No, and I think if Cruz isn't back, you can move Miguel Sano to DH, and you can have Kirilov play first, and Rocco's been always really good about rotating guys through and making sure that... Do you, know, you remember the stretch last year when Cruz was out? They actually did a pretty good job of rotating through DHs as almost days off for the guys in the, in the field. So I think if Cruz isn't back, they will miss him terribly in many ways, but it might just be kind of time. I, I don't know. What do you think? What are, what are your musings here? Yeah, I think I think it's in the same vein here, but so every single position player, everyday position player is back next year. We're not losing any position players. We're losing our utility guys in Gonzalez and Adrianza, but other than that, everybody is back. So the question becomes, are there changes that need to be made to this team on the everyday starting roster? And I don't know that there is, Dan. I don't think there is either. I just, like you said about Rosario, I think that he proved his mettle in many ways and his quality this year. The bats just need to be swung more effectively. They just need to hit a couple more baseballs hard, build some momentum. Because I think I think if this team could just win a dang playoff game, I think it would get the monkey off their back. I know that they have to feel it and they would be they would be able to make a run. Like It's almost like, and I, I, I forgive me for the hockey comparisons again, but the Tampa Bay Lightning last year got swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets for nothing. And this year they came back and they won the Stanley Cup relatively easily. That's a, The Twins are capable of that. They're capable of winning a World Series. Yeah, I think they are. I do think that they are going to need some upgrades as far as consistent pitching is concerned, but now you should have the space to do that. And because you have these guys who your starting roster is certainly depleted for next year, this is a, I feel like we're saying the same thing we said last year, Dan, which is that they have money and they have the positions open. And because you don't need to go out and spend a bunch of money on a position player, (coughs) Josh Donaldson, you have all this money that you need to be spending on starting pitching. But and yet, who were I mean, Kenta Maeda was who's the steal of the contract structuring century. My goodness. Oh, absolutely. Well, no, and let me let me let me just clear up here what I'm trying to say. I'm not saying that the starting pitching was the problem this season because clearly that's not the case. But because you're going to be missing guys next year, you're not going to have Hill, who really didn't factor in anyway. You're not going to have Odorizzi, who also didn't really factor in anyway. And you're not going to have Bailey, who also didn't really factor in anyway. So you have three starters. You need to get a solid number four. If you want to keep the number five spot flexible, that's fine in my opinion. But I think you need to sign one more one A one B type starter. I think that's probably a good point. Well, that kind of that that's a nice little teaser for our next podcast, right? When we get to look yeah, forward. So a our bit. next ep- yeah, our next episode we'll do a little bit more of a season review. We'll go through our predictions from the start of the season. I'm sure those are going to look great, Dan. I can't wait to go through. Those. I remember something about Rich Hill in my prediction. I, uh, well, I had Sano as the OPS leader, so I don't. Uh, it's not going to look great for. And we're not going to, people are going to listen to that and they're going to say, well, you know what? We probably just shouldn't listen to their predictions. You know? Probably true. Probably true. It, it was a hard, hard season to predict for the twins, really. It really was. And I mean, it's so disappointing that they won their division and they still get bounced in the first round of a crazy postseason where you're playing a team that I must mention one more time for the season, Dan. You're playing a team that had a sub 
500 record. Well, now technically they're 500 if you count these Get two wins. Shut your mouth. <laughs> Stop talking right this moment. That is so ridiculous. I heard the I heard the broadcasters say that, and I almost chucked something at my buddy's TV because it's like, what are you talking? Why does that matter? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Oh, it's great now that they beat the Twins two games. They're at 500. This is ridiculous, Dan. Well, there we are. Hey, series grades or game grades? We didn't give them yet. Oh, well. <laughs> Do you have a grade, David, uh, for this one? F minus? You cannot. An how, F minus is not a grade. Is that just like how an A plus is Yeah, exactly. Is a grade? It's just idea. an F, right? Okay. Like, well, it's, uh, they failed. They failed. They, they failed. failed. I agree. And I do think that a lot of this has to come down to Rocco's decisions in a lot of these situations. I think that there was enough play that he had where obviously there's nothing you can really do if the guys aren't connecting on the ball. But even the, the few runs that the pitchers gave up, I think that him not using Odorizzi was a mistake. He should have used him in game one or he should have used him in game two why on earth is he warming in both game one and game two and not used and so i think this was a failure i think a lot of this has to do with rocco's inexperience i think the Kurloff move shows that i think garver's usage shows that i think his inability to understand when guys need to come out shows that and not looking to taylor rogers to pitch in a back-to-back situation for the 300th time when you know what's going to happen he's going to give up hits and runs dan i'm i'm so frustrated with rocco because he's making decisions that are purely contrary to what most avid Twins fans would tell you need to be done. And again, that's not even Monday morning quarterbacking. Like, I could have told you what was going to happen when Rodgers entered the game today. Back-to-back, he was going to give up hits and he was going to give up runs. Uh, just if Rocco's listening, that was David Kufus complaining about <laughs> you. Uh, Dan Thompson doesn't feel quite so bad about that. I, I, I didn't have so many problems overall with his managing with his managing in this game because I did appreciate he was trying to do things a little bit differently. I liked that he kept 15 position players and 13 pitchers. I thought that would have been useful yeah, that Theo extra spot on the roster really worked out for well, brilliant managing. Well, I I think I think the bigger <laughs> factor to me, not necessarily taking away the complaints that you made, but I will let you take credit for them in case Rocco gets frustrated. <laughs> is is the that Donaldson wasn't healthy and Buxton wasn't healthy. I, I think that two of their most important players not being on the field was a bigger factor. I mean, keep in mind, we did get beaten by a team that lost their A1 ace, just to make sure that we all remember all that right. this team would have had Justin Verlander it, on it. Well, well, they so would have lost game like one in that situation, so, so be it. Great. So be it. So we would have... <laughs> So we would have lost worse. Yeah, I, guess, I think so. Sure. Yeah, it would have been three to nothing rather oh, than three to one, right? Absolutely terrible. Well, folks, we're going to be back here in a week or two with a little bit more of a season overview. Talk about what was good this season, what was bad, what needs to change, what positions do we need to fill next year. Very exciting. Thanks so much for coming along on this ride with us here this season. Very disappointing, and we're sure that you're feeling it the same way that we are. And we hope you know that you know whatever happens, baseball is still baseball, right? There are bigger things in life outside of baseball. But it certainly is fun to pass the time. And Dan, I want to thank you for joining me this season. This was just, it was a fun roller coaster ride of a season. So disappointing that that drop at the end is really the one that ended it for us. It's been fun too, David. And uh, yeah, I, I think I'm looking forward to doing this again next year. Absolutely. So folks, if you like what you hear, please tell a friend. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Min for the Win. You can find our Min for the Win page on Facebook. If you'd like to receive a Min for the Win bumper sticker magnet type deal or any stickers, feel free to reach out to us on Facebook. We can get those sent out to you. Make sure you're subscribed the podcast you'll be notified when new episodes are available make sure to give us a rating on there as well really helps us out thanks for listening and as always even in these circumstances go twins that'll wrap up another episode of men for the win a podcast hosted by david kufis and dan thompson two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball especially when it's done by the twins thanks so much for listening and as always go twins